This is the second part of our sermon series entitled, The Enigma of Evil's Ease. We're taking our text from Psalm 73. Let's read together Psalm 73. A Psalm of Asaph. Surely God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet came close to stumbling. My steps had almost slipped. For I was envious of the arrogant as I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pains in their death, and their body is fat. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. The garment of violence covers them. Their eye bulges from fatness. The imaginations of their heart run riot. They mock and wickedly speak of oppression. They speak from on high. They have set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue parades through the earth. Therefore, his people return to this place and waters of abundance are drunk by them. They say, how does God know? And is their knowledge with the Most High? Behold, these are the wicked and always at ease. They've increased in wealth. Surely in vain, I've kept my heart pure. And washed my hands in innocence. For I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Until I came into the sanctuary of God. Then I perceived their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. How they are destroyed in a moment. They are utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. With your counsel, you will guide me, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge, that I may tell of all your works. Shall we bow our heads in prayer at this time? Heavenly Father, once again, we put our full trust in you to minister to us, your people. Lord, there is nothing impossible, nor is there anything difficult with you. Lord, all things are possible because you are the great I am. And Lord, we thank you because we know that the word of God is powerful. And as your people listen, Lord, their eyes will be opened, their minds will be able to comprehend, and their hearts will embrace your truth. Lord, we seek your face at this time. And as for myself, Lord, I pray that I might be a conduit, a blessing to your people even as you use my mouth to speak your truth to your people. 
Lord, equip and empower me. And Lord, whatever is going to be achieved today, we will give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. Once again, we are now in part two of our sermon series, which we began last weekend. And today we do a little review of what we have studied so far. We were talking about Asap. Asap happened to be a mature believer, having written 11 of the Psalms that we have in our Old Testament scriptures. Not only that, he was a choir director. Not only that, he was a priest, or rather an associate to the priest, an assistant minister at that. He was also tasked with teaching the scriptures as well. And so we assume that he happens to be a mature believer in the Lord. But there, if there is one thing that Asap was grappling with, he was grappling with the conundrum of the wicked's prosperity. This was something that he could not understand. As he was observing what was happening with the wicked, their prosperity, it was something that he was grappling with. And so these irreconcilable realities are things that he found somewhat uh, contradictory to God's ways as well as God's person. And that being the case, he went down into pessimism, despondency, and there were many doubts and questions in his mind. And so the first part of our study was somehow negative in perspective. But now, in our second part, you will notice a radical shift. There is a positive outlook. And so the question, of course, that we want to be able to answer is, how did this happen? How did this radical shift take place? Now, I'd just like to uh, divide the sermon into these two uh, perspectives. First of all, in verses 2 to 14, Asap was saying, woe is me. And then in the latter part, and I'm talking about verses 21 to 26, instead of saying, woe is me, now he's very positive and he says, wow is me. And so again, we would like to be able to answer the question, why the radical shift? And hopefully, if you and I are grappling with the same issues, I pray to God that we might be enlightened and illumined, just as Asap himself was illumined. Uh, his spiritual eyes that had been dimmed because of these negative observations was somehow enlightened by the Lord. And again, that is what we want to happen. Now, just a quick review of our outline. Uh, in verse 1, we talked about the unchangeable truth of God's covenant relationship. And in verses 2 to 16, we talked about Asap's enigma of the wicked's prosperity. And under that, we also talked about Asap's personal struggle. Now, this was where we stopped in our previous sermon. And so now we're going to move on and we're going to talk about Asap's specific failures as found in verses 13 to 16 
And finally, we will cap that off by the third and major point, ASAP's realizations in verses 17 to 28. And so let's begin and let's talk about Asaph's failures in verses 13 to 16 and his incorrect perception of God's dealings as found in verses 13 to 14. Let's read together. It says, Surely in vain I have kept my heart pure and washed my hands in innocence, for I have been stricken all day long and chastened every morning. Now, you will notice here that Asaph's perspective of God had somehow become skewed in that he saw God as unfair, unwilling, and unable to reward him for his own righteousness. And so this was the wrong perspective that uh, Asaph began to have as he began to doubt the goodness of God, uh, or rather the, the way God deals with people. And in fact, Asap saw himself, instead of receiving blessing, he was receiving a spanking from God. So that was something that he could not understand. The evil people were at ease, while he himself was being chastened by God. Now, uh, in conjunction with this, we realize that it seems like Asap had a sense of entitlement. Obviously, he was thinking that because he saw himself as an upright person, he saw that he had the right or the privilege to be rewarded, to be blessed, and to be favored by God. And so he did not see himself as undeserving. Because the truth of the matter is that while you and I might be upright in the eyes of the world and even in our own eyes, we need to realize that per God's standards, we are all undeserving. Sadly, uh, uh, Asap had entered into some self-delusion thinking that he was entitled because he was upright. And Going to the New Testament, Jesus teaches us a very powerful lesson against having this sense of entitlement. We all have to have this sense of unworthiness. And when we have this sense of unworthiness, we're put in our proper place. And as we are put in our proper place, there will be less grumbling and there will be less complaining before the Lord. Because we will see that God always treats us better than we deserve. And that is why we are well content with whatever we receive from the Lord. Anyway, going to the New Testament, I'd like to read to you Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 7. This was a lesson that Jesus taught his disciples. It says, Which of you... Having a slave plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come, immediately sit down to eat. But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me 
while I eat and drink, and afterward you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Now this uh, passage somehow puts us in our proper place. That we are all slaves and we are all unworthy slaves. Now, being sons of God and daughters of God does not change the fact that we are undeserving. We have simply been graced by God. And because we have been graced by God, therefore, we are not to have a sense of entitlement. We are not to think of ourselves as sons and daughters who have rights, and we should demand those rights from God. We should claim those rights from God. Sadly, there are many people who have this kind of mindset. And when God does not give them what they think they deserve, they start grumbling and complaining against God. Some of them have backslidden. Some of them have become disillusioned. Some of them have lost their faith in God, albeit temporarily. But then again, this is what happens when you and I have a sense of entitlement. That is why, again, let's put ourselves in our proper place. We are unworthy slaves. And therefore, when we come before God, let's come before Him with humility in our hearts, not demanding our own rights, but simply coming to Him as mendicants, as beggars, as undeserving people seeking the grace and the mercy of God. And with such humility and childlike faith, God will hear our prayers and our cries. Now in verse 15, we find Asap's near betrayal of God and the believing community. Notice what he says in verse 15. It goes, if I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. Now, based on the context, uh, what we find here is that Asap was somehow tempted to declare to the believing community of Israel that God is unfair, God is unwilling, God is unable to reward the righteous. That was his own temptation based on his own observation and on his own testimony. Now clearly he knows that this was wrong. And that is why he says that if he had said that, if he gave in to that temptation, not only would he have betrayed the believing community or even the next generation of Jews, but he would, he would have betrayed God himself. Thankfully, he did not declare such things before the congregation. Now, in verse 16, he also talks about his unbelief. In verse 16, he says, When I pondered to understand this, it was troublesome in my sight. Now, the word troublesome is a contrast emphasis in the Hebrew which means that 
Asap was not only troubled, he was really deeply troubled. There was a um, there was a churning that was happening inside his heart. And somehow there were certain things that he could not reconcile. And that is why he was deeply, deeply troubled. Now the problem, of course, of Asap was a lack of trust and reliance on God. And basically, that is what happens to us. Sometimes we fail to trust God, most especially if the circumstances around us do not cooperate with our own physical eyesight, or it does not cooperate with what our ears want to hear, or, or what our hands want to touch. And so when that happens, we're, we're deeply troubled. We lose our trust in the Lord. But then clearly the Bible declares that we are not to walk by sight, but we are to walk by faith. And that's why I know that one of the favorite passages that most of us rely on or lean on during times of difficulty or doubts would be Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. Wherein it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And sometimes when we're grappling with certain issues that we could not understand, just like what happened in the case of Habakkuk, he was grappling with certain issues regarding the person of God, the dealing of God, and the way he thought God should be doing certain things. When Habakkuk uh, was having those troublesome thoughts, he waited upon the Lord, and the Lord graciously spoke to him. And then at the end of Habakkuk's book, we find that his faith was restored in the Lord. And in the latter part of that book, he did not care any longer what his eyes saw or what his ears heard. He was willing to trust God no matter what. And again, this is what needs to happen to us. And again, this was a lesson that Job likewise learned in his life. If you will go to the book of Job, you will notice that Job had many questions. And interestingly, God did not answer those questions directly. Rather, what happened was, God revealed his person and his power to Job. And I believe what God was really saying in the book of Job is that my person is enough to be able to answer life's questions. There will be certain things that we will not be able to understand, but there are certain things we know about God. God is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is um, a God who is good, a God who is faithful, a God who is gracious. And that being the case, that is enough. That knowledge should be enough in our case. And we should continue to trust the Lord and not lean on our own understanding. We have to realize that our minds are finite. And there are certain things we cannot really fathom. And there are certain things we just have to leave with God. 
because God understands everything. He is the omniscient God. And so let's talk about Asaph's realizations in verses 17 to 28. And we will begin with how it all ends for the wicked in verses 17 to 20. And allow me to read verse 17 first of all. It says, Until I came into the sanctuary of God, then I perceived their end. What we see here is a radical shift. Asap's enigma and conundrum were somehow solved when he went into the place of worship and into the place of prayer. And I believe that is where we need to be. That is where we need to be found. We need to be found in the place of prayer and worship. And only in prayer and only in worship can we be able to resolve many of life's issues. And sadly, a lot of people have neglected their spiritual disciplines. They have neglected worship and they have neglected prayer. And that is why they continue to grapple with life's issues and they continue to have these doubts and questions in their minds. And there is a perpetual churning within them. And they continue to struggle within themselves, again, because they have not sought God. Remember what we mentioned in our previous sermon. Sometimes our problem is we fail to gaze heavenward. We fail to look upward. We fail to seek the face of God. And this is something that Asap, at least during the time when he was vulnerable, failed to do. And so thankfully, he was, uh, he was able to regain back his own spiritual bearings. And so we now find him in a place of prayer and in a place of worship. And that's when the radical shift took place within him. Now, it was then that his skewed perspective was straightened out. He was illumined by the Lord and he began to understand the destiny of the wicked. Now, the word perceived here, again in the Hebrew, is a contrast emphasis, which basically tells us that what had happened in the case of Asap was that he was completely enlightened. The word perceived here, because it is a contrast emphasis, means that he was completely enlightened about his situation. In other words, all his questions and all his doubts were answered by the Lord. And isn't this what James actually admonishes us to do? I'd like to go to James chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. And it says here, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Now watch verse 5. But if any of you lacks wisdom... Again, the context has to do with trials. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously 
and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. So I think the Bible is really very clear. When you and I are grappling with conundrums, dilemmas, uh, enigmas in our lives, what should we do? Well, the Bible says that we just simply need to come before the Lord in a place of prayer, asking for wisdom, so that we might be able to understand why we're going through adversity, why we're going through trials, why we're going through difficulties. And God always has a ready answer to those who do not doubt that God will give them an answer. Isn't that what happened in the case of Habakkuk? Habakkuk got an answer from the Lord. And we ourselves will likewise arrive at an answer when we ask God earnestly for wisdom in our situation. For after all, God wants to make things clear to us. He wants us to look at things from His own divine perspective. He wants us to have heaven's eyes. And that is why God obligates Himself to answer all our questions. Now, that may not happen instantly. It may it may uh, happen within a certain span or period of time. But rest assured, God will make things clear to us. And that is the assurance that is given to us by James in the very first chapter of his epistle. And so, what were the things that uh, Asap realized? Well, look at verse 18. This is one of his realizations. It says, surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. In other words, one of the things that God will do eventually or ultimately with those who are wicked is he will set them in slippery places. And ultimately, as they are set in slippery places, they, uh, they are bound to meet their own destruction. And so, the, the destiny of the wicked is not bright at all. And sometimes that is the problem with wicked people. They always want instant gratification. They're always looking to shortcuts. They're always looking to the path of least resistance. And obviously, that involves oftentimes compromises, that involves corruption, that involves sacrificing your own moral values, your own integrity. And when that happens, when you succumb to the temptations of this world and allow yourself to walk in wickedness, God will set you in slippery places and you will meet your doom. Now, what else did Asap realize? Well, in verse 19, it says, How they are destroyed in a moment. They're utterly swept away by sudden terrors. Now, there are two phrases here I'd like you to focus on. 
Notice the first phrase is in a moment. And then the other one says sudden terror. And what that simply means is that when God has determined for them to be judged, destruction will come upon them swiftly. It will be sudden. It will catch them by surprise. They will not be able to prepare themselves for the calamities that God will bring about in their lives. And so again, if you look at the finality or the conclusion or the end of things, the future of the wicked is not bright at all. It is dark, it is dingy, it is gloomy, it is miserable, it is problematic. So why should we want to end up in a place where ultimately it would mean our destruction? I mean, just try to read the many headlines, even here locally. And what do we discover? We discover tragedy. And why does tra tragedy strike? Because people have placed themselves in a situation that offends God, in a situation of great compromise, in a situation whereby they have disregarded God and they have given themselves to wanton pleasure. And guess what happens in the end? Tragedy. You do not want that happening in your own life. Now, also, in verse 10, it reads, Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. And you will look carefully for his place, and he will not be there anymore. So in God's time, his wrath will be poured on them, such that today they're here, tomorrow they're gone. You see them now, and then later on, you look for their place, they're no longer there. That is what happens to wicked people. And basically, that's something that I myself have personally observed. There are some people who have uh, misaligned themselves from the will of God and they take on the facade, they take on the facade of spirituality and it seems like they're all right on the outside. But deep down inside, they're full of pride, they're full of anger, they're full of selfish ambition. And what happens to them is God removes them swiftly. You see them today, tomorrow you will no longer see them. And then it says in verse 20, Like a dream when one awakes, O Lord, when aroused, you will despise their form. Now, John MacArthur explains this verse in this way. The wicked are like a bad dream that one forgets as soon as he awakens. Their well-being is fleeting. Isn't it true that at times we're aware while we are asleep that we are dreaming certain things? But then isn't it true that sometimes when we wake up, we try to remember all the things that we dreamed about and we somehow have forgotten them? And basically, what John MacArthur is saying is that is the fate of the wicked. Uh, what happens is they become a distant memory. 
they become people who are forgotten. Even all their accomplishments, even all the things that they have done, eventually they will all be forgotten. They become a distant memory. And again, this is the reason why you do not want to be in the place of the wicked, but rather you want to be in the place of the righteous. Even though as you observe certain realities, it seems like it's not jiving. The circumstances are not jiving with the way you understand God's dealings. Remember this, we cannot twist the timing of God. The book of Ecclesiastes declares to us that he makes all things beautiful in his time. In the NASB, it says he makes all things appropriate in his time. So again, we just have to trust the timing of the Lord. And I believe this was also the problem with Asap. Asap became impatient with the Lord. Asap stopped waiting on the Lord. And because of that, his heart began to be filled with envy, with greed, and covetousness. And because he was looking horizontally and not vertically, that's when the problems began to creep into his heart. And that's why we have to be very careful. We have to guard our hearts because it is the wellspring of life. Now, in verses 21 to 22, Asap confesses his personal ignorance. In verse 21 and 22, it reads, When my heart was embittered and I was pierced within, then I was senseless and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Now, Asap here makes the admission as well as the confession that he was thinking like a beast. He was not using his own logic, the intelligence that God has given to all of mankind. And sadly, as I have observed, sometimes people do not rely on their own intelligence and on their own logic. I mean, if people just relied on their own logic, their own intelligence, they will be able to calculate the things that will happen to them or the consequences of their choices and decisions. And yet we find that man is driven more by his impulses. He is driven more by his own base instincts. And that is why certain bad things do take place. Certain bad choices are made, and then there are many, many regrets. And sometimes those regrets can no longer be changed. Sometimes there is a finality to it. Sometimes the finality to it is death. And when a person dies, he can no longer change. He can no longer change his choices. He can no longer change the, the decisions that he or she has made. And that is why here, Asap was admitting that he was like a beast. In fact, my illustration of Asap was he was like 
a dog. And I recall I was reading, you know, some of these fables wherein there was this dog uh, who was biting a bone. And he was looking at a reflection in the water. Actually, it was his own reflection. And what he saw was another dog, which was himself, really. He saw this dog biting another bone. And because this dog was greedy, he wanted to get that other bone as reflected in the water. Guess what happened? Well, he opened his mouth and uh, the bone that he was biting dropped into the water and he lost. He lost the bone that he was biting because he was greedy. And sometimes this is what happens to us. This is exactly what happened in the case of Asap. That is why he was admitting here that he was not thinking like a mature believer. Two words here that he used. First word is embittered and pierced. Now something quite interesting in the Hebrew. The word embittered and pierced are not passive. Meaning to say it did not happen to them or it did not happen to them because they were passive or they merely received it. But rather, it is active and participating. In the Hebrew, it is active and participating. In other words, what we're trying to get at here is that uh, Asap was embittered and he was pierced within because he was doing it to himself. In other words, he was somebody who was uh, being bitter because of his wrong thinking and wrong belief. And sometimes that is what happens. We're embittered because we do it to ourselves. We are pierced within because we do it to ourselves. Again, because we linger on in wrong thinking. We linger on in our uh, doubts. We linger on in our unbelief. And that is what happens. We do it to ourselves. So this was sim simply not passive. Now, we see here God's faithfulness as seen in verse 23. We first of all see God's abiding presence. And here we find the contrast between Asa and God himself. Now, here is where we see that God is immutable he is unchangeable. He remains faithful. Whereas when we, when we evaluate ourselves, just like Asap, sometimes our faith could be wavering. Sometimes our commitment could be flickering. And that is not true with God. God is a constant. He is the eternal constant. And so let's talk about his abiding presence in verse 23, which Asap realized about God. It says here, nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. Now, in spite of Asap's near failure, or maybe we should say that he really failed already before the Lord, God's abiding and preserving presence was still with him. That's what Asap realized here. 
It says here, once again, just to read it again, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You have taken hold of my right hand. In other words, even if you could picture this um, God holding the hand of uh, Asap, even as Asap was trying to wiggle out of God's grip, God was still holding on to him. God's abiding presence was still there. And here we see the difference between us and God. God constantly clings on to us. I like what David Jeremiah said. It says, David Jeremiah said, Asap realizes that although he questioned God, God never questioned him. God took hold of his hand in the past. God is present with him now, and God will take him into a future glory. Another realization of Asap was God's counsel in verse 24a. It says here, with your counsel, you will guide me. Once again, this passage speaks to us about the faithfulness of God in spite of Asap's failure before the Lord. Notice he knew that God would still somehow provide illumination so that he could be properly guided in his thoughts and in his paths. So he knew that the counsel of God would eventually reach him. Isn't that wonderful about our God? Our God can be relied upon. And I recall sometimes um, we have our toddlers and our children, and oftentimes in their growing up years, we find that they are not responding or reacting in a way which honors us, their parents. But then again, they realize that we are constant. We are a constant in their lives. We are there uh, to be a shoulder to cry on. We are there to help them when they're sinking, when they're falling, when they're down. We're always there to support them. And somehow that is true with our God as well. Our God is an even greater parent, an even greater father than all of us. Because God continues to work in our lives in spite of our failures. God does not desert us. He does not abandon us. He does not forsake us. That is who our God is. In verse 24b, we, we'd like to talk about God's future blessing. Again, one of Asap's realizations. It says here, and afterward, receive me to glory. Now, one of the things that Asap obviously lacked was a future vision. And sometimes I guess this is where our problem lies. We are unable to perceive the trajectory of our lives. We are unable to to see where our lives would eventually land. And so a lot of people walk about life without any future vision. They walk about life as if uh, there is no bright future ahead of us. 
And I think we do ourselves a great, great disservice by not having a future vision. I believe this was one of the things that Asap lacked. He failed to look into the distant future. And you and I need to do that. When you and I know that we are people of the future, that somehow affects the way we live today. And when you and I do not have a future vision, it affects the way we live as well in a negative way. That's exactly what happened to Asam. That's why he had greed. That's why he had discontent. That's why he became covetous. Why? No future vision. But notice here, God is saying, and Asap realized this, and afterward, receive me to glory. In other words, Asap failed to see that God had blessings in store for him in the future. Now, in verse 25, another realization that Asap had is that God is his chief treasure or should be his chief treasure. Let's have a look at verse 25. Notice the confession of Asap here. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. So here we find a, a major breakthrough. What we find here is that finally, Asap was able to overcome his envy, his greed, his discontent. He was able to overcome this. And so he was no longer looking at material possessions. He was no longer looking at uh, the riches of other people. This time, what he was looking at is the fact that God was his portion. God was his lot. God was his, his inheritance. Nothing else really mattered. As the song goes, when we're able to gaze into the beauty of the Lord, the things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. That is what happened to Asap. That is why I notice what he says here. Whom have I in heaven but you? And besides you, I desire nothing on earth. God was now unrivaled. In his heart, God had now become his supreme and chief treasure. And he was not willing to exchange what he had, this treasure of God, for anything else in this world. But remember, this was not his stone initially. This was not the, the spiritual language that he was speaking in the first part of this psalm. And so a radical change took place. And again, let me go back to why this had happened. Because he went into the place of prayer and the place of worship. Dear friends, is it possible that the reason why you're grappling with life's issues is because you have neglected your spiritual disciplines? You have neglected prayer. You have neglected to worship God. As the Bible says, in the book of Revelation, the Bible says that we need to repent and do the deeds that we did at first. That was the admonition and the rebuke that the Ephesian church received from the Lord 
Jesus Christ. And somehow, we need to go back to the basics. Sometimes it is as simple as that. Now, another realization that Asap had is that God is Asap's strength. In verse 26, it reads, My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Now, here, Asap is admitting that because of his flawed nature, he knew that he would fail God as he had failed in, in previous seasons in his confession in this psalm. He knew that he would fail God. But in spite of that, he knew as well that God would pick him up from where he had fallen and he knew that God would somehow restore him and refresh him and bring him into a place of the abiding presence of the Lord. And isn't that our own experience as well? How many times have we failed the Lord? How many times have we stumbled? How many times have we confessed our sins? And sometimes we have even probably gotten tired of confessing the same sins over and over and over again. And yet, guess what? God continues to forgive. God continues to cleanse. God continues to sanctify. God continues to restore. God always welcomes the prodigal son. And when he welcomes the prodigal son, he treats him better than he deserves. He puts a robe around him. He runs, the, 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 the father runs towards him, gives him a, a ring, provides a feast for him. That is who our father is. What a great God we serve. And this was also something that Peter himself experienced. Look at Luke chapter 22, verses 31 to 32. It says here, Jesus speaking, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. What was the Lord prophesying or predicting about um, Peter? Well, he was predicting the failure of Peter. And at the same time, he was predicting the restoration of Peter as well. What does this tell us about our Lord Jesus Christ? What does this tell us about our God? God knows everything from beginning to end. God knows that in the future we would fail him, that we would fall, and that we would stumble. God knows everything in the same way that he knew that Peter would fail. But this passage, this prediction likewise tells us the character of Christ that is willing to restore, that is willing to bring us back into a place of refreshing, a place uh, in his abiding presence. And guess what? Although Peter denied the Lord three times, who was the very first preacher at Pentecost? 
Guess what? It was Peter. Peter failed the Lord big time. But at the same time, he was exalted by the Lord big time as well as he confessed and repented of his own sins. That is who our God is. That is why this passage is so beautiful. Another realization of Asaph is that God is a God of justice. Verse 27 reads, For behold, those who are far from you will perish. You have destroyed all those who are unfaithful to you. Now, God is a God of justice. That will never change. Sometimes we wonder why the delay in justice. Well, if there is a delay in justice, it is only because God is slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, desiring for people to come to repentance. That, after all, is who our God is. He is a God of compassion. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow about this promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Now, what else did Asap realize about God? Well, God's nearness in verse 28a. It says here, But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. You know what Asap was really saying here? Fame, popularity, success, abundance, achievements, accomplishments, they no longer mattered. They no longer mattered to Asap as the ultimate good. Asap realized that his ultimate good is the nearness of God in his life. And friends, we have to come to that place wherein we realize that ultimately, when all is said and done, God is our ultimate good. And that's what Asap realized in this passage. And then in verse 28, finally, verse 28b, it says, God is Asap's shelter. Notice what Asap says here as his resolution. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. Asap made a resolution that in life's enigmas, in life's storms and conundrums, he will run into the shelter that God provides. God is his shelter. God is his refuge. And he knows that God will pull him through. He knows that God will solve whatever enigmas, adversities, problems, difficulties, afflictions he will, he will go through. And he was determined to declare the mighty works of God. And which brings me to a very important point. When we have problems in our lives, when we're going through adversities, when we're going through difficulties in life, have we not realized 
that because the ultimate goal of God is His own glory, we should be able to think uh, in terms of the higher purpose that God has laid aside for us. And let me just give you an example just to make clear what I would like to bring before you. You know, when I try to ponder on my 36 years of, of ministry here in Cebu, I, I tend to think that I had more valleys than mountaintop experiences. In my own personal observation, I've gone through more pain than bliss in my 36 years of ministry. And I've often wondered why that is so. But then when I began to write books, and I'm talking about the two books that I've written so far, Enough is Enough, and um, also more than enough. And by the way, I am writing or co-authoring another book with other authors. Uh, this is going to um, come out under OMF Lit. And this is going to be talking about grief and loss. And um, again, going back, I just realized that in writing these books, I am able to comfort other people with the comfort that I receive in all of my afflictions. And I've just come to realize that we should begin to think not in terms of our own personal gratification, but we should think in terms of what brings the highest glory to God. Our enigmas our conundrums, our afflictions, our adversities. In the end, as God pulls us through, as God brings deliverance, as God solves our situation, ultimately, it brings glory to God. And that was what Asap was determined to do. So a very powerful lesson is learned in that as we go through the conundrums and the puzzles, the enigmas of life, we are not to lose our faith in the Lord. We are to continue to put our trust in Him. And instead of beginning to question, doubt, maybe even complain and grumble against God, why don't you go into the sanctuary of God so that you will receive spiritual illumination and you will have eyes to see, heaven's eyes, to be able to see through the situation you are in, to obtain wisdom and strength. When that happens, instead of saying, woe is me, we will be saying, wow is me. I've been favored by God, blessed by God, graced by God. May God bless our study of God's Word. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you and bless you for all the things that we learned today. Indeed, this passage has taught as well. And we pray that the lessons we learned here will be embedded in our hearts, 
applied in our lives. And whatever has been achieved today, we give you back the glory, the praises, and the thanks. In Jesus' blessed name we pray. Amen and amen.